The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Good morning and welcome to the Massage Podcast Episode 5. We are a couple of massage therapists here trying to get information out to other massage therapists about all things massage. There are a lot of things to talk about. If you have any questions, please send us a text message at 303-656-9860 or you can send us an email on the contact page of our website, massagepodcast.com. And come and chat with us during live recordings. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Today we are going to have a guest. <laughs> Ruth Werner is our guest today. She is the author of The Massage Therapist Guide to Pathology. And she is also president of the Massage Therapy Foundation. Ruth has a bachelor's degree in theater and literature from Reed College. She graduated from the Brian Utting School of Massage Therapy in Seattle. She has taught several massage schools, uh, various massage schools around the country, and we are very excited to have her along. We will be discussing her book, uh, The Massage Therapist's Guide to Pathology and Why Pathology is Important in Massage. And we're also going to talk about the Massage Therapy Foundation, which is a very important asset to massage therapists. And um, we have Ruth. Can you hear us, Ruth? Can you say hi? Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Hi, Ruth. It's Elaine Kalenda. How are you today? Hi, Elaine. I'm terrific. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. And we also have Jorge uh, Cisneros here, our producer, so we're going to start having a chat this morning. Um, it is a beautiful morning here in Boulder, Colorado. I tell you what, though, it's a little chilly and windy out there. I had to hold on to my steering wheel and the drive over, but it's just so, uh, you know, I never get tired of that view coming over the uh, diagonal highway and riding into Boulder here from Longmont. So, Ruth, what are you looking at this morning? Uh, this morning, Elaine, I am looking at the Pacific Ocean. Where are you? I live on the Oregon coast, and it is uh, windy. We're going to have some rain later today for a change. <laughs> um, but right now, the horizon is clear, and it is just spectacular. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, so we're, we're, we've got you on the phone. We're going to uh, be asking you a bunch of questions. And, of course, um, Later on, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the things that the, you're doing with the Massage Therapy Foundation. Congratulations, by the way, for your new presidency role as of March of this year. Um, Thank I, you very much. Yeah, I saw you at the national convention when you were given your given the um, initial hello to the group there. That was quite a, a bunch of people in that room. And I just want to <laughs> say that, uh, you know, you're just so eloquent the way you were speaking and you looked fabulous. And uh, it was just great to see. It's just great to have you in that role. Thank you. All right. So um, I want to say that, and I've been teaching pathology at the Boulder College of Massage Therapy, as you know now, for many years. And uh, we've been using your book 
since just since about the second year it came out. That was that first edition that you um, wrote with uh, Ben Benjamin. Is that correct? Um, actually, no, that's not correct, and I would love to talk about that. Okay. Because it's kind of a funny story. Well, go ahead. So this is how that came. <laughs> pardon me. This is how that came about in the early nineties. I think it was around ninety three, ninety four. Um, I had a manuscript uh, about pathology um, for massage therapists that I had prepared uh, for the Brian Edding School in Seattle, and it occurred to me that it might possibly find a broader market. So I called Ben, who was one of my mentors and and you know wonderful influences in my life, mm-hmm. and I said, "I have this manuscript. What I do, what do I do?" And he directed me to a publisher that had been in touch with him, who was just opening a new department in complementary and alternative medicine. Um, and that contact, um, you know, eventually yielded a contract for the book. But because I was essentially an unknown commodity, and because Ben helped to edit one of the chapters, we thought it would be um, useful and important for his name to be attached to the project. What he made clear from the very beginning, he said, don't call me an author. I'm not an author. I don't know much about pathology, and I don't want people calling me with pathology questions. I see. Uh-huh. Um, but somehow that didn't get through to the right people, and so uh, there I was at the AMTA convention in 1998, uh, which was in Washington, D.C. I got to open the very, very first box of books fresh from the printer, uh, and it came out of the box in a paperback with a three-hole punch, and Ben Benjamin's name on the cover as an author. Uh, and none of those things were supposed to be true. I see. Well, you know, yeah. that that clears up an old <laughs> so mystery. They sold a few books at that meeting, and they and they uh, remaindered the rest. They actually burned them and re-released it. Uh, Ben's name stayed on the cover in the first print run, uh, but we always made it clear uh, that he was a contributing editor, not an author of the book. But he was certainly very helpful in, in getting me started. Okay. Well, then, I was going to ask you if he, if he was one of your mentors, because I see oh, that yeah. you taught at the Muscular Therapy Institute in Cambridge. Um, all right. Um, so, Ruth, uh, I, I just wanted to say that I've been using the book for many years as a uh, uh, for pathology, and, and it's one of those books that at first, you know, in its um, third and fourth edition now, the students take a look at it and they go, we need to know all this and why, <laughs> you know. And uh, after a few days of class, though, they really get to understand the importance of this book. And you know how I use it as I I have each student, uh, I assign each student a topic, and they have to stand up in front of everybody in the class and talk about it. Uh, They either read out of the, um, those handy little text boxes you have, or they, I give them something to look up, I give them a few minutes and you know, I, doing that format helps the students to uh, to be able to to speak about pathology to their clients and patients. But also, I think it helps when you're going for that job and you're talking to a physician or a chiropractor, and you're able to at least pronounce uh, some of the trickier words uh, in pathology and and look like you know what you're talking about. And by the end of the course, they have a really nice baseline an overview of the, what I think are uh, some of the main things that, that you need to know as a, as a massage therapist just getting into practice. 
So I just want to thank you and I, to tell you the, how much I appreciate the book. And also, it's one of those books that students don't sell at the end of the quarter when they're done with it, you know? I still have mine. Oh, see? And that was, what, eight years ago? <laughs> yeah, eight years ago. I, I still refer to it. Oh, Don, it's time to upgrade, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get you a new copy. So are you working on another edition now, or did you just finish one? Yeah. No, I am working on the fifth edition. Um, I got started uh, earlier than usual on this one because my life has gone through a lot of transitions lately, so we were sort of anticipating that my writing schedule would be interrupted. Uh, But um, I believe that the fifth edition is due to be released to the public in 2012. Um, There will be... You know, we try to update and change and and sort of meet the needs of the current market every time we do um, a new edition. Uh, So um, I'm working on some of the some of the new features in that. But I I just want to say how glad I am that you find the book useful. And and I have heard from other people as well that this is the book that people hold on to and they don't want to sell. And and there's nothing an author likes hearing better than that so thank you very much you made my day oh you're welcome and you're making our day by just visiting us here ruth werner (laughs) uh talking with us from uh where is it in oregon again what what town again where where in oregon are you oh i'm in a little town that's almost the geographic center of the coastline Uh Uh, it's a little town called waldport and uh there's nothing much going on here it's a it's um very, very quiet place. You go out at night and there are no lights and there's no sound and there's no cars. All you can hear is the ocean. It's pretty great. Are you getting used to that? Again? Are you getting used to that? Am I getting used to that? I hope I never get used to it. Really? I hope every single day it's a, it's a, it's a glory and a gift that we ended up here. This is really our dream. Okay, I see. Well, I, I just have a quick unrelated question. Can you guys grow food there all year round? Like, can you have a garden right now, or do you, does it slow down in the winter? <laughs> uh, not for vegetables. Um, and, I, you know, I'm right on the beach, so uh, <laughs> I have sand. So we haven't landscaped yet, but when we do that, anything I want to grow that's decorative will probably have to be in a box. Oh, okay. Just curious. She's a beach yeah. creature now. Yeah, wish yeah, I, I was am. there. I'm not, well, I'm, I'm across the street from the beach, so I have one house between me and the and the uh, high water. Jeez. Oh, uh, there's there's virtually no soil here. We have shore pines, and that's about all that grows. Well, that uh, sounds um, that's wonderful. So the big news right now. I'm asking Don's question here, but big news right now is that uh, you became the president of the Massage Therapy Foundation. Would you tell us a little bit about that? And what's going on there? Oh, thanks, Elaine. I love to talk about the foundation. So, (laughs) excuse me. The Massage Therapy Foundation is our profession's charitable organization. We are a 501c3, which means we are not membership-based. And our mandate, our mission, is to advance the science and practice of massage therapy through supporting uh, research, education, and community service. So the foundation um, raises money, and we raise money from um, our stakeholders. That would be massage therapists and people involved in the massage therapy industry, so um, educators and schools and publishers and equipment suppliers. 
Um, and we hope, you know, we're, we'd like to expand that to anybody who feels that massage is an important part of their life. So there are clients who feel that massage has made a big difference in their life, and, you know, they, they might also want to support the foundation. So we raise this money, and then we turn around and give it away. And we give it away in the form of research grants. We grant research projects at $30,000 a piece. That's enough for a really good pilot study. Uh, and we grant community service projects. Those are $5,000 a piece. And those are projects where um, uh, people uh, work to deliver services to, to, to uh, clientele who would otherwise have no access. Um, and we try in those community, <laughs> community service projects, which are international. We've done them all over the world. And we try in those projects to, um, to work with organizations so that they can become self-sustaining. So a lot of the projects that we've begun um, have continued long after the grant ran out because they were able to get support from other resources in their community. Um, and then among our educational initiatives, we do uh, case report contests. We do a program where we send um, presenters to the schools to work with their faculty about research literacy. Uh, and one of the biggest and most important and most ambitious projects that the Massage Therapy Foundation has done is we have published our own um, open sourced, which means free, peer-reviewed academic journal. It's called the International Journal of Therapeutic Massage and Body Work available at ijtmb.org. And this is the only open source, that means there's no subscription fee, um, peer-reviewed academic journal for the massage therapy profession that's being published right now. There are other publications that are valuable and they do wonderful work. Uh, but if you don't have a subscription, then when you go looking for a piece of information, all you can get is the abstract, which is a summary of a project, mm -hmm. uh, and you need to pay a fee to get access to the whole article. That's right. So the IJTMB, which is just barely two years old, um, is working now on building our archive of uh, peer-reviewed, high-quality, you know, first-level uh, academic information um, but we will not be charging any kind of fee for access to that. That's, that's wonderful. A, that's a service to our community. And I, can you get how proud I am of the IJTMD? It's yeah. A, it's a tremendous thing that, that, uh, that we've begun, and I'm just, I'm just tremendously proud of it. That's fantastic. Ruth, could you tell us, uh, give us an example of what a community um, project is like, that one that you oh, grant? community service grant? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm scanning my brain for a really great example. One of them that we did um, last year, I haven't, I haven't looked at the grants for this year, so I apologize. I'm not up to speed on this year's grants. Um, one of the grants that we did last year um, was an outreach project um, in, that uh, targeted um, at-risk Latina youth in Boston. Um, and uh, it worked in conjunction with some other services that were being offered to these girls. Um, and one of the really amazing things that happened, that they found, um, was that um, when the girls participated in this program, which had all kinds of, it had nutritional counseling, it had, you know, other activities for the, for the kids to engage in, when they added massage, which was just seated massage in, a, in an open space, I mean, there were privacy screens, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like going to the spa or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
when they added massage into the mix of the other kinds of support these girls were getting, um, they noticed that they started really changing some behaviors. They started changing some behaviors about their diet and uh, what kinds of uh, soda they were drinking and how much exercise they got. And it just seemed to be that one little extra, you know, my body is a great place to live in. I want to take good care of it kind of, kind of uh, uh, feedback system. Um, and it was such a surprising result that the people who who came to us to fund this uh, community service grant came back to us and asked for funding for a whole research grant to see about how massage might change behaviors among these uh, these girls. And, and we were um, very happy that, that that was a year we could afford to give that grant. So we're still waiting on the results of that, but um, it's a great example of how uh, a fairly simple outreach program can yield some really amazing information. If you think about it, if if receiving massage for, you know, once a week for six months when you're 16 changes the way you treat your body, and so you are able to avoid, for instance, developing type 2 diabetes um, because you take better care of yourself, imagine what a cost-saving that really is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we love massage because it's it's a powerful, positive force. But um, when we can translate it that into a, a financial result, it makes it that much more um, that that much more powerful when we talk about it with you know health policymakers, for instance. Right, it's wonderful. So that's one example of a community service grant. We've worked with uh, orphans in Uzbekistan. We've worked with children who are survivors of severe burns at a special summer camp. Um, it, uh, um, it, you know, it, it, a great place to get information on this is at our website. It's massagetherapyfoundation.org, and one of the tabs there is community service grants, and anyone can go there and see not only our application for making a grant, but we have a wonderful set of guidelines for how to write a good community service grant, um, and then we have a list of our previous grantees get a sense of what kinds of services we've offered and and how those programs uh, are formed. It sounds like the possibilities are endless in this realm. And are there there any um, subjects or areas that you would really like to see uh, pursued regarding in this this, um, program of yours? Oh, that's a really interesting question. for the community service grants, you know, the, the thing is, the, what, what I like to see, and I'm, and I'm not on this committee and I don't review these grants, so I don't have, I don't have control over this, but the general impulse and the general uh, emphasis for us is, is A, to be delivering services, services to people who otherwise would not be able to get massage, hmm. and B, to do it in a way where it has the possibility of becoming self, a self-sustaining program so that these services can continue. And then C, we're adding a third um, sort of point of emphasis here, which is to uh, use this delivery system also as a way to collect data uh, because, you know, the, the amount of information about how massage affects our well-being is is still, you know, while it's growing, is still in its infancy. So those are three things that we see with the community service grants. But what your question makes me think of is we have another 
you know, a, another granting program that we do, of course, is our research grants. Um, and um, about 12 years ago, a group of experts got together and created what we now call the Massage Therapy Research Agenda. This is also on our website under the um, uh, Research Grant tab. Um, and the thing about the Research Agenda is that it is dated now. It's 12 years old, and it's time for us to brush this off and do another one. That actually turns out to be a pretty expensive prospect, uh, and so it's something we may not be able to afford to do for a year or two. Um, but it's definitely on my to-do list that it's time to brush off the research agenda uh, because that, uh, that research agenda does color the kinds of applications that we get for our research grants. Um, so uh, if, if people are interested in our research grants and they want to take a look at that, the, the research agenda is a great place to get started. All right. Do you include, is this uh, people only or are there research on animals as well? Um, oh, right now we've only funded research on humans, and 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 the research that we've funded has been on with hands-on body work. Um, so you know, if people are looking to do research with more energetic techniques or hands-off kinds of work, um, at this point the Massage Therapy Foundation is probably not the best resource for that. You know, as it is, we get many, many, many more grant applications than we could ever fund. But I'd like to make a pitch here that if every massage therapist in the country, that's about 300,000 of us, wow. donated the value of one massage per year to the Massage Therapy Foundation, we'd be granting somewhere between 5 and $10 million a year. Wow. And as it is, we are now granting, you know, between 50 and hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. So Ruth, uh, we have you have a special year this year, don't you? This is an anniversary year for the foundation. Why yes, why yes, Elaine, it is an anniversary year. It is it our it is our twentieth anniversary. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that makes me think of something else I need to say that's really important. So um, the Massage Therapy Foundation was founded twenty years ago by the American Massage Therapy Association. And our relationship with the AMTA is unique. We are an association foundation. Um, we are tied to the AMTA through some legal language, but also through ties of loyalty. And when I talked earlier about our funders, um, what I didn't talk about, because I meant to come back to it, uh, is that the AMTA is our primary benef um, benefactor. They uh, house us, our offices are in the AMTA offices, and they are our largest in-kind donor. Their support allows us to have um, a staff of four people, uh, and uh, they cover many of our operating costs. And mm -hmm. what that means is then that when donors come, like you and me, and we make a donation to the foundation, um, the vast majority of that of, that, of those dollars can then be spent on our programs like the e-journal or our grants or our uh, educational initiative. Right. Um, but with our 20th anniversary, we're launching a special campaign. It's called the RISE campaign. Uh, and RISE stands for Research, Inspiration, Service, and Education. And the line that goes with the RISE campaign is, how quickly can we get 20,000 fans of massage to donate $20? 
And my fans of massage, what I love about this is that it's massage therapists, it's people who make a living off of the massage therapy industry, but it's also anyone who has had the benefit from massage. This is a, a thing that our clients could do in our name for a Christmas present or a holiday present. This is a thing anyone who feels that massage has, has improved their quality of life, you know, $20 to the foundation make a huge difference in the work that we can do and a very small difference in somebody in, a, in an individual person's bottom line at the end of the month. So right. Right. 20 so, for 20. 20 for 20. Rise to the occasion. Um, we'd love to see uh, how quickly we can get 20,000 fans of massage to donate $20 to the Massage Therapy Foundation. It's fantastic. And I'd like to see, you know, a lot of our graduates uh, and massage therapists that are practicing in the uh, area uh, have had a benefit of massage in that, especially if they're taking our associate program and they've done their own case reports. Um, they that's when they start to really understand the benefit of uh, doing research, even at that level of seeing some uh, a client for six to eight treatments and then writing about it and presenting it as their their final exam. And uh, that's their very first introduction for a lot of students, anyway, into the world of research. And I start to develop an appreciation at that point. So if any of you are listening out there, 20 for 20, it's a great opportunity to give a little. Uh, it means a lot to a lot of people that these grants can be available and given to people in need. I have one question for you, Ruth. Yes. Uh, is I, I understand that AMTA has been a big supporter of the foundation, but is it a requisite for any therapist out there to be a member of AMTA to work with you guys with the foundation? Absolutely not. Thank you, Jorge. No, absolutely not. The, the, the foundation exists to serve the entire industry and profession of massage therapy, and um, we uh, are happy to accept support. Uh, and we are happy to support the work, the research work or the community service work of people, regardless of what, um, what organization they might be um, tied up with. We have a great relationship with the ABMP. We have uh, lovely connections with other um, uh, organizations that represent different types of body work. Um, and so, you know, we are the AMTA's Association Foundation, and we're tied to them through our, you know, commitment to serving each other's purposes. Uh, but the reach of the foundation is much broader than AMTA members. It's and, worldwide, uh, isn't we really it? We are looking to the whole mm. profession to support the work of the foundation. And I love what you said, Elaine. You know, a li giving a little yields a lot. And, um, when Elaine and I, way back when we were in massage school, um, you know, there was no research happening specifically on massage. And, and, and we learned, Elaine, did you have to learn out of Beards Massage? Did you have that book? Beards. We had beards for sure. Yeah. Imagine all the mistakes they found in beards later on. And, well, um, you know, and so we grew up learning about petrissage because of experiments with ink in rabbit ears. And, and like yeah, that. and dogs' legs. And yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, monkey nerves and things like that. And, <laughs> and um, it, 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 it's such a different world. So when Elaine and I were in school a million years ago, the whole issue of research just never seemed terribly important. Well, now the people who are teaching in schools grew up in that paradigm where research didn't seem that important. And, 
and we're, we're, we're hitting a bit of a roadblock in a lot of the schools in the country where they realize that here's something that, that is a, a, a critical factor to being a well-informed practitioner, but a lot of faculty don't feel ready or confident to bring this into the classroom. Uh, and so one of the things the foundation works very hard on is creating resources for educators um, to make research literacy you know, part of virtually every class that can happen. There's, there's places to use research in your pathology class, obviously, but, you know, in your business class and in your ethics class and in your technique class, there are research articles and papers that are pertinent and useful, um, but we need our students, which means we need our teachers, to have the skills to find these things, to interpret them, to critique them, because not everything that makes it into print is of equal value. Mm -hmm. um, and we need this to be an expectation for a new therapist, that they are able to get good information and apply it in everyday setting. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I've, I would have done without the tools that um, the Massage Therapy Foundation has made uh, available uh, way back when Martha Menard first wrote the first um, massage therapy research kit. I mean, that's what got me yeah. started, you know. And that, Unfortunately, that research, that, that kit has, is out of print, and, um, and we don't have permission from the authors to continue developing it. Right, but you've got um, other so sources now. What we're working now. with at this point is, this, is, is a program called Teaching Research Literacy, where we send presenters to schools to work with their faculty. Um, and then we are also working on, on building that into a distance learning program so that um, any massage therapy educator anywhere in the world will be able to participate in these classes. Right. And speaking of anywhere in the world, I just want to make clear that any manual therapist around the world can apply for these grants. Is that true? Yes, that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. It's so, you know, it's got to spread uh, further and further every year. And at the last massage therapy research conference in May, I mean, that was double the attendance. Was that amazing or what? There were people yeah, from like 18 countries uh, attended that research conference in manual therapies. It was just uh, mind boggling. And I, I just see that growing every year. Um, going back just for a moment to the how can a school uh, get these uh, wonderful folks to come and teach teachers how to teach research? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Go to the website, and what you're looking for is called Teaching Research Literacy. Um, and basically what it, what it involves is the schools who are interested will fill out an application. Um, we can do, it depends on, we're, we're working now on getting um, uh, partners with some of our industry's publishers um, who can help fund this because we know that schools can pay, you know, really only a nominal fee for right. this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so to cover the expenses of sending a presenter and um, paying their fee, we're, we're, we're working on getting some corporate sponsorships. So we can do anywhere between four and six of these events every year. And what we would love to see is for schools um, who, who arrange to host an event to then um, invite the faculty of other schools in their area to come because it works great as a group effort. It's a wonderful way for faculty of various schools to, to share their experiences and their uh, successes and their challenges about getting research literacy into the classroom. 
By the end of this eight-hour teacher's in-service, which is NCB-approved, so it's, it works for continuing education units as well, um, by the end of it, uh, teachers will have better literacy and competency about the language of research, but they'll also have a whole set of ideas for how to take this back into the classroom the next day and start incorporating some of these prospects into virtually everything that gets taught in a massage curriculum. That's great. I'd love to do that here at Boulder. So well, I'll, you, you'll go ahead now and... Now you know where to find it. Okay, I'll fill out that application. Awesome. Um, we're tr I'm trying to convert everything uh, in the classroom to the language. As you mentioned, the language of research, it is uh, a whole new language, and I'm trying to... Like, even if they do... If students have to do a presentation about, oh, I don't know, um, some pathology or another, I give them the outline that's suggested in the practitioner and student case report contest from the from the massage therapy website. Um, it's a great little outline there, and I just use that for everything. Just oh, that's wonderful. To I'm get them so used to it. I'm so proud of our case report contest guidelines. I think that's really one of the best things that we've done is to, is to write those guidelines on how to, how to write a good case report, whether people participate in the contest or not. Um, they can get through those guidelines and realize, you know, truly that kind of thinking, it's not that different from the sixth grade science fair. Right, it's right. doing things in a specific kind of order. That's right. Um, which allows you know, virtually everyone in the sciences to take us seriously. And it's, it is long past time for us to start being taken seriously. That's for sure. We had a practitioner, um, we had a first prize winner a few years back. Jen, yeah, Jen Zalta. She did oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did, she did, um, was that the one about the knee surgery? That's right. So I want to tell you, it's, this is a big deal, Elaine. Jen's uh, paper was published in the IJTMB because that's one of the prizes with the case report contest is you are uh, invited to go through peer review and then be published in, in our journal or in the Journal of Body Work and Movement Therapy. That's right. And when we did the, um, uh, the, the census of how many times the IJTMB had been accessed and what articles were most popular, Jen Zalta's article... By a factor of three, I mean, it was three times more often hit on than anything else in the journal. And I think she had about 15,000 uh, visits to her article. It was, and what, it, what that says to us, well, first of all, we had to go back to the statisticians and say, is this a glitch or is this for real? And they said, no, no, it's for real. Wow. Um, but what it says to me is that people are hungry to read a good case report and to understand how the, what this looks like. Yeah, and uh, she did an amazing that, job. For me, yeah. that was just really, really thrilling because case reports are citizen science. You know, right? It's, it's anybody who is literate can write a good case report if they're willing to do the work that it takes to, to do it right. Yeah, and she did a great job, and I was real proud to see her at the. Uh, at the AMTA convention where, you know, she got her prize and then she was able to do her um, presentation in front of all those VIPs. Yeah, she it, presented her findings to the to a national audience. It's a big deal. Yeah, so that's the Practitioner Case Report. You can find information on the website. If you guys are out there listening and you're working with somebody and you're getting great results, why not do a case report? It, it You know, even if you don't win the big prize, you're still going to 
you know, there's still a benefit in doing it and submitting it because it does enter the uh, the world at large. It, it does, and I'd like to talk about that for a minute, if, if you don't mind. Um, case reports, case reports are unique in that really they are just they are the story of what happens between one therapist and one client, and and they have a goal that they want to work on together. Mm-hmm. And you can't look at a case report and say this proves that massage does that. You know, first of all, researchers don't use that word proof. Um, but all you can, but what case reports do is they say, I noticed that this happened. Um, when you have a handful of case reports that are getting a similar result, this is what inspires larger scale research projects. Um, and, and, and so this is really, case reports are the starting point for the bigger research projects that, that we need uh, as we move it more into the integrated health delivery systems. Um, and when you write a good case report, it doesn't just disappear. And one of the projects that's underway right now, although it's not something I have uh, any uh, control over at this point, um, the Massage Therapists Association of British Columbia is getting started on looking at creating an international case report repository. And what this would mean is any case report that meets the criterion of rigor mm-hmm. can get stored forever and accessed forever by anybody. Wow, that's uh, and great. So it, you know, even if it's not something that wins the contest or it's not something that ends up in a journal, it can, get, it can add to our knowledge about how massage works. So if you're working in a vacuum and, you know, you're working in, a, in your little tiny office and you're getting fantastic results with frozen shoulder or with knee replacements or with uh, um, migraine headaches, um, you have something that's worth sharing with your partners, with your colleagues and your peers. Case reports are a way to do that where not just massage therapists but other healthcare professionals can take that seriously. And, and really start asking the next questions about how it works or why it works or what's the best dose um, and things like that. So um, I, I just I think case reports are a tremendously important thing for people to be able to do. Yeah, that's that's good news. Um, you know, let's get on to uh, what's happening because uh, I, I understand you have a cruise coming up. Tell tell us about this cruise. Do I have a witch coming up. Do you have an education cruise? Did oh, I read I do. that somewhere? Oh my goodness. Thank Where are you, you going? <laughs> How do you know these things? Well, I read up about you. I check up on you all the time. <laughs> yes. Um in at the end of January, I think it's first January twenty third or thereabouts, I should know those dates. Um, I will be going on um a cruise with James Waslowski. Oh yeah. Uh, he does this every year. It's called Seminar at Sea. It is not too late to sign up, so um, I would go to James Wyslowski's website to do that, which I believe is orthomassage.com or something similar. Um, and on this cruise, it's a six-day cruise. It leaves out of Galveston, Texas, and we go to uh, Honduras, Belize, and Cozumel. Oh, Nice, yeah, it's nice. Be, and and in January, so that, at, that'll be a nice break. You think people are actually um, going to study though? Maybe well, snorkeling. Yes, actually, the the classes are offered only on the days that we're out at sea, 
And James will be teaching nine hours, and I will be teaching for nine hours. So he'll be teaching on day one of classes uh, six hours about um, orthopedic injuries to the arm and shoulder. Yeah, that's some good wrist, stuff. Yeah, upper extremity. Yeah, I just took class uh, with him. He'll wrap that up on day two, and then on day two, uh, I will take the second three-hour shift by introducing some uh, pathologies of the upper extremity. Uh, and then on the, my day, which is my six-hour day, we'll be taking those new skills that people have and learning how to write a case report oh. using these new skills. So um, my hope is that people will um, uh, leave that experience with some ideas about how to take the skills that they learn and turn them into case reports. That's a great idea. Do you have any underwater classes? Yeah. <laughs> Not not for credit, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do just a case report on this whole trip, see, and get a grant for that. And then that way I've got my trip covered. And, you know, we'll, you know, how does a group of massage therapists handle being around each other, learning about pathology and massage? So, yeah. there. I, you know, I'll tell you the truth. I've never done a cruise before, so this will be a new experience for me. But I was very surprised at how cost-effective it is because if you compare... If you compare it to going to a national meeting and getting um, 18 hours of continuing education, the cost is about the same, but this includes all of your meals and staying in the, in the, in the, on the ship and extra activities on the days that you're in port. Um, so, it's, you know, it, it turns out as a, as a tax write-off to be a pretty cost-effective way to get some education. Okay, January, huh? Okay. Yeah. Where can people Allison. find, uh, well, on James Wislowski's uh, website, they can find that information, right? Right. Okay. All right, we'll be doing our podcast live from the cruise ship. <laughs> okay, we'll, s- <laughs> we'll have pictures. It'll be a Talk lot of fun. James, he'll be thrilled. Oh, yeah. Now he- for anybody who's a fan of James Wislowski, um, I'd like just to take a, a moment to say he lost his mom this week. We knew that she was very ill. Oh dear! Uh, yeah, he brought her to the national meeting, and so she was able to come to the dance and come and and uh, participate in the things he was doing there. Uh, and now she has left us, and we are all thinking and praying for James and his his comfort. It's a hard time. No, oh, yeah, yeah, he was very close with her. Oh. Okay, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we we are going to talk about the. Um, um, we're going to talk about cortisol. Cortisol, that's right, because a couple of weeks ago we were doing a program on stress. Now, you know, it's one of those things that I want to be able to explain to people, including my students, <laughs> you know, what is the mechanism? I mean, we hear so many research reports about uh, serotonin and cortisol, and how, how, how do you explain how massage helps reduce stress? Uh, it's a great question, and the the answer that I can give you is we're not sure yet. Um, for years, I was a big fan of the cortisol approach, so I'll just do a little bit of background on that. So cortisol is, is a secretion of the adrenal cortex. That's why it's called cortisol, and it is a hormone that we associate with several things, but among them we associate it with long-term, low-grade stress the, you know, worrying about your kid's report card kind of stress rather than the being chased by a bear kind of stress, which is the adrenaline reaction. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and um, there was a theory that massage would drop cortisol levels, 
and there's some research that shows some support for this. But a recent meta-analysis of that research, which means uh, taking a whole bunch of research papers that meet a criterion and comparing them to each other to see what's really happening, um, shows that maybe this, this cortisol effect of massage is, is overstated. Mm-hmm. And there are some, you know, some flaws in some of the research that was being um, published. And um, it just brought the whole cortisol, quest, uh, the whole cortisol uh, mechanism into question. You know, for me, I, it, the, 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 the casebook isn't closed on this, but whatever is happening, it's not just one thing. And whenever we talk about hormones and neurotransmitters, um, you, we can't just talk about one thing. Uh, the, my, my favorite analogy for this is to think of a bowl full of fish hooks. If you imagine a bowl full of fish hooks and you try to pull on just one, it doesn't work because when you pull on one, it brings everything else along with. Um, and that's true for our chemical balance in our body, for mm. hormones and for neurotransmitters in particular. Um, so a new line of research, and I confess I haven't looked at this very closely yet, um, is shifting focus away from cortisol and onto a different hormone called oxytocin. Mm. Sometimes people call that the contentment hormone. Um, it's the hormone that women secrete when they are breastfeeding, and it makes you feel very sort of sleepy and lazy and, uh, you know, like you don't need to jump up and rush around and do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some evidence that massage has some profound impact on oxytocin. I keep wanting to say oxycontin, and of course that's wrong. Right. Um, on oxytocin levels, um, we still don't really understand the mechanism. It has to do. It's got to have something to do with moving into that parasympathetic state, where when we are doing our environmental scan to see if we're safe, the answer to that question, "Am I safe?" is yes. Um, you know, when we live in stress and anxiety, the answer to that question, "Am I safe?" is definitely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we can turn off that, if we can turn off that. Um, that environmental response for just a little while, we see some far-reaching changes in how the body reacts and behaves. So um, if, if, if your listeners were paying attention, this actually happened about, oh, maybe two months ago, there were two articles released, one on top of the other, one, one via the New York Times and one via the L.A. Times, based on academic research papers that were not open-sourced, so I couldn't get to the whole uh, publication. Mm-hmm. I can only look at the abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them looked specifically at massage and oxytocin with some, with some positive results, and the other one was looking at massage and immune system function mm. um, and, uh, and, and saw, you know, even as a result of one treatment, um, some very... Uh, noticeable and traceable changes in our blood chemistry. Um, you know, you asked the question, uh, Elaine, what's the mechanism? And uh, we don't really know. Um, it's a very difficult thing to try to discern. And uh, so the, the emphasis in research is, you know, still on mechanistic studies, how does it work? But we're there's been a bit of a shift because it's simply more cost-effective to ask different questions like not how does it work, but what's the best dose for it to work? What's the best frequency? What are the best outcomes we can expect? What are the functional changes that happen? 
um, you know, when, when people get this kind of work or get this kind of uh, massage done. We're going to need a lot more studies, aren't we? Yeah, lots and lots. And, um, you know, all of that is, of course, tremendously expensive. The most expensive or the most, uh, not a great way to put it, the, the, the highest funded massage study that I know of at this time is an NIH study um, of, a, I think it's a $1.5 million um, on osteoarthritis at the knee and asking questions about people who receive massage. And it's an overall, it's a full-body Swedish massage. It's not massage at the knee. Wow. Uh, but people receiving massage who have osteoarthritis and what their general pain levels do. And uh, the author of this study is finding some incredibly exciting results um, that, you know, when people are, are uh, tired of their anti-inflammatories and they are not a good fit for the... Um, you know, the drugs that are available for them. Uh, here is a, here's an intervention that involves no drugs and no knives and no needles, and it gives them significant relief. Um, and it's a very, very exciting thing. When this, when this study gets published, it has the potential to really change some things about orthopedic medicine. Um, so, it's, you know, it's all very exciting. But it's, again, it, this one is not a mechanistic study. It's a dosing study. It's what's the best dose for people to receive massage who want to deal with the pain of osteoarthritis. Right. Dosing is the amount of massage you use in what area and for how long. And that, those, uh, that's, that's going to be one of the very first studies on dosing that I know of. Yes, it is. Uh, as far as I know, it's the only, it's the only one that I'm aware of. I'm, I'm not, you know, completely in the loop on this, but I'm... I'm uh, it's the first one that I've heard of. Okay. I know that uh, Karen Sherman has been one of the, uh, she's a researcher, uh, PhD. She she and I had a talk a couple of years ago about dosing, and I know that she was one of the pioneers uh, and one of the people that is a proponent of, we can't really go that much further until we we understand the dosage how much right. massage is good, and when do, when do we reach that point where it's not good anymore and perhaps even dangerous, you know. So it's very important uh, to get the dosing down. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a consultant on one of Dr. Sherman's uh, studies right now on neck pain. Really, it's, uh, that may, that's a very uh, 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 overstated uh, role. I'm, I'm on the team of people who looks at results in case they might be negative, so I'm, I'm sort of uh, the watchdog for adverse effects, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, there are not a lot of adverse effects for massage that's done carefully, so mm-hmm. I have a very, very easy job to get my name on this research project. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> okay, well, uh, so let's wrap up here. As we wrap up, um, we usually give a tip of the week, uh, talk about uh, massage accessories, uh, things that you know, um, people can use in their practice. Do you have any favorite, um, do you have a tip of the week? Actually, I have two things that I'd love to talk about. Um, so I am, you know, I just moved into this new house, and it's a poured concrete floor. Um, and it, I'm finding that it's really hard on my feet, and I think I might be starting a little plantar fasciitis. Hmm. So I went to my little goodie bag because I bring home all these goodies from the massage meetings, mm-hmm. and I have picked out this TheraBand foot roller that 
I am now using while I sit at my desk, and it feels fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying using this, and I think it's giving me better mobility in my foot that's been giving me some trouble. Wow. TheraBand made a foot roller? I didn't know that. TheraBand made this foot roller. It's sort of a hard rubber thing that has ridges on it. It's a cylinder. Okay. Uh, it can be, I'm reading it off the box now, it can be chilled or frozen for Ooh. greater relief. Ridge design delivers foot massage. Hollow core helps match any foot. I got to get me it's one. Supple, natural rubber, slip resistant, won't <laughs> scratch floors. That sounds great. All right. So that's that's a little product that I'm really enjoying right now. I am I'm I'm not a big product fan and I don't hawk a lot of stuff, but um I'm I'm really appreciating what this is doing for my foot right now. Okay. Um and then there's a new book out that I'd love to talk about. Can I do that? Yeah, we have a couple of minutes. Okay. So this is a book by one of my very best friends on the planet. Her name is Tracy Walton. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's been working on this book for many years, and it is brand new, fresh off the presses called Medical Conditions and Massage Therapy, a Decision Tree Approach. And it's hard for me to believe that I am that I am uh, hawking Tracy's book because it is going to be a good competitor for mine. Yeah, that's what I... We all be really good at what we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and really where this book came from is that for many years, Tracy helped her run the clinic at Ben Benjamin School, the Muscular Therapy Institute, in, uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and as part of that massage school clinic, they developed decision trees to help their students come to the right kinds of choices about massage for their clients who were struggling with some health things. Mm-hmm. And Tracy took this decision tree approach and applied it to um, a wide variety of patho- path- uh, pathologies. Um, it's a beautifully written book. It's got lovely illustrations. It's the 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 critical decision-making process is very clear. So for someone who's working with clients, who's building a, a clientele with people who are struggling with illness, mm-hmm. um, I think this is a tremendously valuable resource and, and, and comes from one of the most thoughtful, uh, intelligent, uh, eloquent, gifted massage therapists that I have ever known. And she's, uh, you know, I got to echo that. And she is also just a brilliant, fun person. I passed it around my classroom. My students loved it on f- at first sight. Thank you for mentioning that, Ruth. Okay, we're going to wrap up. So I'm going to give you back to Dawn. Ruth, we just have, I just have one last question. Do you have any um, brief advice for new massage therapists just about to graduate or ones that have just graduated recently? Advice for new massage therapists or therapists about to graduate? Yes, I do. I have two pieces, of, two pieces of advice. One is, please become research literate. Stay on top of what's happening in your profession so that you can be a good communicator to our healthcare delivery community. That's one piece of advice. But the other piece of advice, and, and this is true for massage therapists, and, and I hear from a lot of writers who have a book project that they want to pursue or you know, people who have various kinds of ideas, um, and, and that is know who you want to serve. Identify your target market. Because if you don't know what you want, you won't recognize it when it falls in your lap. <laughs> that is fantastic advice. I agree. I think we've all agreed on that on past shows before to definitely know your target. 
Ruth, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Your information is invaluable to us and every massage therapist out there. And even, like you said, anybody who is a fan of massage. And uh, we will be definitely putting links for your website on our website. And you have been listening to the Massage Podcast. And you can please email us with questions and click on our links and see what's going on here about massage at massagepodcast.com. And we, uh, can, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Ruth. Hey, thanks, everybody. It was a great way to spend a morning. <laughs>